Curtin Cade mornings, not just on the radio. It's a podcast, too. There are few things more frustrating than being wrongly accused. Absolutely. But, you know, some of the best people we know of were. Okay, let's start with Jesus. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> and then work our way down. How do we respond in the appropriate way when we're dealing with false accusations? That's why we invited Pastor Rob Golding to spend some time with us. Uh, He's written an article, How to Respond to False Accusations. If you find yourself in this place, you're going to love this. It's going to be very helpful for you. And if you're not dealing with it now, uh, thank God for that. But you could be dealing with it in the future. Let's pay close attention to what he's sharing with us today. Psalm 35, verse 20, For they do not speak peace, but against those who are quiet in the land, they devise words of deceit. So um, I think that's kind of an accurate description of motives and uh, results of false accusations. Um, Why did you decide to write about this? Maybe because it's a common experience for each and every one of us at some point? It sure is, myself included. I don't think it's a secret that pastors get accused of things, sometimes rightly, sometimes wrongly. And so I was in a place in my life where I was going through an experience like that. And I was searching God's Word to see if, to look for guidance when going through a situation like that. And I came across this passage in 2 Samuel 16, where David uh, goes through a similar situation. I was just floored by his response. Yeah, let's lay that out, what happens in those verses. Yeah, sure. So David is going along kind of on his uh, somewhat of a victory tour. You know, he's going around with his merry band of soldiers, and they're all um, very confident in their ability to win. And as they're marching along, this man named Shammai comes up to David, and he just starts hurling accusations at him. So David's kind of walking by in his resplendent glory, and Shammai says, you worthless man, your evil is on you. You're a man of blood. And David's soldiers are just aghast at this accusation. They can't believe someone would say that to King David. And so David's kind of right-hand man says, King David, will you let me go over to this dead dog and take off his head? You know, I'll behead this guy because he said this to you. And that's precisely what you'd expect of a king and his right-hand man. If you say something like that to the king, you'd expect your head's going to come off. That's just the way it worked. And so you're set up here in a normal ancient Near Eastern situation. And then David says something shocking. He says, and this is 2 Samuel 6, 12, It may be that the Lord will look on the wrong done to me, and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing today. And David tells his right-hand man, don't touch him, leave him be, let him do what he's going to do. So that's kind of the the situation that's happening in the text. Wow, see, this is good. You know who I'm also thinking about is Daniel. Those guys that were Mm -hmm. jealous of his position in Babylon, and they were not happy at all, and so they tried to find some skeletons in his closet, This is so instructive for me, because I'm thinking, I want to be like Daniel, that if if somebody wants to to find something in my life, they're going to have to lie about it. I'm not going to hand them the Uh sword with which to slay me. And that's exactly what they did. They they actually set him up and made his his relationship with the Lord uh, the issue that got him into big-time trouble. You know, if I'm going to be... 
I'm not going to change anything, right? I, I'm going to follow the Lord. And may, if somebody's going to accuse me of something, then it's, if they accuse me of loving Jesus too much or et cetera, et cetera, I'm not giving them the sword. I, I just don't, and I know we're not perfect. I totally get that. And I know that if somebody wants to pick at us, they really can. But I think sometimes, you know, we just need to say, hey, um, you know, I, if somebody's going to say something about me, they're going to have to lie because I am going to pursue holiness in my life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's kind of like that saying, if you were on trial for being a Christian, would you get convicted? You know, it, w- if we're going to get yeah. accused of something, we should be accused of following Christ. And if we are following Christ, unfortunately, at some point, someone will accuse us of doing the wrong thing, especially in the world today. Thank you for taking some time to listen to this episode of the Curtain Cape Mornings podcast. We always welcome a review with your thoughts and comments, and please feel free to subscribe and follow us as well. You know, also, this idea that God will, you know, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Um, and and we, we don't want to take revenge. Instead, we are called, okay, this is one of the hard sayings of Jesus in the Bible. We need to pray for our enemies, right? We need to not go after them. And that's totally counterintuitive. But if we're walking by the Spirit, hopefully as we grow in our relationship with Jesus, we learn, okay, let's pause here. Let's think about this. Holy Spirit, please help me uh, not to respond with a counterattack. What happens, Rob, I think is as we try to defend ourselves, it's like there's more gasoline on the fire. Do we really believe that God can vindicate us, that He will stand up for us, that he will be our defender. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think that's the key, is when we respond, and it's usually a knee-jerk type response when we're accused, almost always, if not always, we, like you said, hurl gasoline on the fire. In the article I wrote, I gave a story of a lady who was a tailor. I was getting some suits tailored. And she spent the whole time she was measuring me and and working on the suits telling me about this horrible person next to her who opened another shop. And the sign looked identical to hers, except the color was different. And it was her name for the tailor shop. And so the, the person moved next door and used her name. And so she was very upset that her good name was being dragged through the mud. But I left that encounter saying, thinking to myself, I'm never going back there. That was a very uncomfortable situation. She was just, she seemed upset and I was uncomfortable and I didn't want to be there. And so it wasn't helping her to tell her customers about this poor treatment she's received. But if, on the other hand, she was kind and doing the work well, I would have never known and I would have gone back, you know. So it it actually hurt her cause to defend herself in that situation. So the distinction I, I try to make is I think, okay, Sometimes you do need to defend yourself, you know, especially, you know, if if somebody says something crazy like, hey, I saw you at the strip club and they're telling everybody about it. You In that situation, we need to make the set the record straight. I was not there. That's not true, yes, you know. Yes. But if somebody is saying, hey, I think your motives are wrong here. I think you uh, you did that broadcast because of your pride or something like that, some unprovable um, question of motives. I can't prove why I'm on this broadcast, and so I can't 
defend that. And the fact of the matter is, I am a prideful, sinful person. And so I think that's where we can look to David's example and say, David was looking at this man cursing him, and he said, well, you know, I am a man of blood. I have killed my ten thousands. And there is a grain of truth to this, and maybe the Lord sent this person, so I'm just going to kind of leave this be. And as David did that, rather than uh, attacking his accuser, the people banded around David and they started to defend him. And I love what Ambrose, the church father, said. He said, when David was cursed, he hoped to gain divine pity. And so that was, that was God looking at David, um, having what Ambrose calls pity for David or, or concern for David, and saying, this is my child, he's being wrongly accused. Yes, he's a sinner, but he's being wrongly accused, and I want to protect him. And that's what happened with David. We have a text and question that just came in. What do you do if it's your pastor who is the one accusing you? Hmm. Yeah, that's really difficult because your pastor is supposed to be your shepherd. He's supposed to be protecting you. And so he, he shouldn't be accusing you. You know, the, the, the word accuser is, some of us know, the, that's what Satan means in the Old Testament. In the Hebrew Bible, Satan means the accuser. So we're accused by Satan. We shouldn't be accused by our pastor. On the other hand, it's the job of the pastor to guide the sheep. If they're straying towards sin, the pastor should say, hey, you're moving towards a sinful thing that's going to harm you. I'd like to see you move away from that sinful thing to protect you. So if it's a wrongful accusation, if it's a sinful type accusation, a satanic type accusation of the pastor, I would recommend, I'd hope that this person's in a church where there's also elders, and I would recommend that this person would go to the elders and say, hey, this is this conversation I've been having with my pastor. Can you shed some light on this? Jesus talks about that in Matthew 18. He says, if you have something against your brother, take it to him, and if he doesn't receive it, bring a friend. So you need to incorporate other people because we all have blind spots as we're and navigating life together. Yeah. What do you say to kids uh, when they're in that situation and maybe it's uh, they feel they're being picked on by their teachers? Mm. Yeah, that's, by the that's way, a tough one. By the way, I see a picture of your daughter. She is gorgeous. What a little sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, yesterday she came home from school and said, she's six years old and said she really, really likes this boy in her class. And so Olivia and my wife and I were like, wow, this is new territory. We don't know how to deal with that. <laughs> so that's what we're dealing with. We're not dealing with yet her uh, f- having false accusations, but I'm sure that day's coming as well. That's a great question. And I, I think for kids, you know, it's, it's an excellent opportunity opportunity to start teaching them the way of the Lord. You know, their their instinctual sinful reaction is to lash out. You know, when your brother hits you, what do you do? You hit him back. And so we teach him, well, when your brother hits you, you can't just respond in kind. And so I think that's a good opportunity to teach our kids, hey, if someone's accused you of, of doing something wrong, I know you want to lash out. I know you want to yell or, or cry or throw a fit, but just come talk to me about it and we'll see whether there's any truth to what's being said. And if there's no truth about what's being said, then, then if it's appropriate for mom and dad to come and talk to the person or the the teacher who's saying this thing, then we'll get involved and we'll say, hey, you you told, you said my son or daughter's doing this thing wrong. And from our perspective, we don't think that that's true. And we just want to have an open and honest conversation about it. I think the key is not allowing the accused ourselves when we're receiving those accusations to, like Kurt said earlier, put 
gas on the fire. Don't let the temperature go up. Stay calm. Remember that Jesus loves me. My identity is in Christ, not what this person's saying. And so I can navigate this with peace and tranquility. May we never forget that as followers of Jesus, we are literally following him. At least we should be imperfectly, absolutely, but that's the Mm. desire of our heart. Look at his life. False accusations, he had to field a lot of them. Mm. You know, I was just with a group of pastors just yesterday, and we were talking about, you know, some we, we help each other with some situations we're going through. And one of the pastors was talking about going through a difficult situation where somebody was just accusing him of doing the wrong thing. And he said, guys, do you think I'm doing the wrong thing? I don't think so. And we all said, no, we don't think so. And so the conversation kind of concluded with another pastor saying, you know, this is precisely what... Jesus went through. He, in his daily life, he was trying to help people, and he was accused over and over by the Pharisees. And then his friends misunderstood his motives. And this pastor said, you know, it's actually our privilege to experience that because Christ experienced it. And when we experience this sin being lobbed at us, like the sin was lobbed at Christ, we're united, our hearts are brought closer to Him. And I was just kind of floored by that. I was like, yeah, you know, it's painful, but if it brings me closer to Christ, it's worth it. Participating in the sufferings of Christ, what does that look like? Well, this is just one example of that. Wow, that's great. Hey, Rob, thanks for being with us, getting up early, and uh, thank you for writing this article. I want to make it textable. In fact, uh, Producer Mark has already. Thank you, Producer Mark, for always being on top of things here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just text the word FALSE to the Curtin Kate hotline this morning. We'll text you out a link so you can read it for yourself and uh, ponder it and uh, pray over it as well. FALSE to 888-777-6810. Thanks again, Rob, for being with us. Will you come back sometime? I would love to. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Curtin Kate Mornings Podcast. Please take a minute to follow, subscribe, and review us. And no matter where in the world you are, you can listen to us live from 6 to 9 a.m. weekdays on the Moody Radio app.